On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we have an actual person that knows something about football as opposed to Rufus, Adam Levitan, who's going to talk to us about how he bets props. And then Rufus is going to just like really butcher a bunch of people's names and do a bunch of things that don't say a bunch of things that don't make sense. But hopefully at some point he'll give you value into how he approaches sports betting. And so with that, let's start the process. Bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not the typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to another episode of the Bet the Process podcast. It's a very special edition of the Bet the Process podcast because it's props time. And Rufus, the self-proclaimed king of the props, is going to talk about props. Wait, self-proclaimed? Rufus, I'm in the middle of the Doesn't self mean... You don't interrupt me in the middle of it. I was on a roll. You, you, you were. Facts and be damned. Adam Levitan, who was recommended by Matt Davidow, who is the smartest person that Rufus adores, um, recommended Adam for us. And so I have watched and followed you on twitter but i'd love to have you give it like a little intro on who you are and why you are deserving of being opposite of rufus the king of props <laughs> uh i am not uh deserving of being opposite rufus the king of props I, I would say that probably like the first person you've probably ever had on here who doesn't bet sides and doesn't bet totals uh i play fantasy and, and DFS and uh, I bet player props and and that's pretty much it. I, I think the correlation between playing DFS seriously and player props, there is a ton of overlap. there, probably way more than betting sides and totals, I would say. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's the biggest thing and, and maybe why I, I've never had the pleasure of meeting Matt, but I appreciate it. And, and maybe that's what he had in mind. When you, when you started betting, um, when did you start betting props? Because it sounds like you got your start in DFS and then migrated into props or? Yeah, no, I actually got my start doing like season long fantasy for a company called Roto World and then um, kind of ditched the whole season long thing in 2015 to, to be all in on, on DFS. And and around then um, started thinking more about player props and stuff, but it's been hard. You know, I, I mean, only recently have you been able to really get access to like a full menu of of player props on a regular season game. You know, it used to be, only big games only or Sunday night, Monday night. And now, I mean, full menu, you know, fourth and fifth wide receivers you can find props for on even regular season weeks uh, a lot of times. So you're like a younger, more modern version of Matthew Berry, like a one that's like sort of more cut for the, the new world, right? Because like Matt, you ask him about prop bets and he pretends he knows something, but he knows nothing. I would follow none of that guy's advice when it comes to prop bets. <laughs> um yeah I, I don't know i think uh, i mean would you if, if i offered a bet for you to go head to head with matthew in prop bets just like who could have a better roi for a weekend what would you make yourself as a price oh man i'm not i'm not gonna go there on, on matthew i would say that the difference minus between... 300 minus 400 <laughs> one week and it'd be I, I like would, a may it'd be I like would, a mayweather no, no. mcgregor kind of thing like a, a once in a lifetime betting opportunity right rufus for sure like the election exactly I, 
I think like there's a difference between DFS and season long in that season long, people are focused on their own team and they're focused on frontline players and, and DFS, you know, we are scraping the bottom of the barrel. We are evaluating every player every week. So, um, you know, I, I think there's DFS people have a, a wider range of uh, players are comfortable projecting. So you have an understanding of all the bit players, the how, how much Andy Reid tends to ride, ride the hot hand, um, Byron Pringle and other various potato chips. Oh my God, Rufus has been down the down the <laughs> rabbit hole of looking at players that he's never even heard of in his life because they're listed on some bets. That like yeah. there's there's no way you knew who Byron Pringle Byron was. Pringle has been with the Chiefs for at least two years. I feel like it's his third year at least. Like so you learned he's about always, him last year during prop bets. He's like two years ago. I mean, he's always the guy that when wide receivers hurt. Pringle gets in, get some playing time. Okay, sorry, Adam. Rufus asked you a question. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and I think this Super Bowl in particular is interesting from a player usage perspective, right? Like it, it, normally when you get to a Super Bowl, there a lot of roles are defined. The teams have predefined roles. I mean, you can make a case that a lot of stuff is muddled for a Super Bowl, like Simi Watkins' role. I think Edwards Alaire versus Daryl versus Le'Veon is muddled. I think Fournette versus Ronald Jones is muddled. Pringle versus D-Rob, I think, is muddled. Yeah, uh, Gronk versus Brait, you know, Scotty Miller versus Tyler Johnson. All these situations are more muddled than I think we normally see in Super Bowl. So, yeah, I think it's interesting for sure. Yeah, plus to Marcus Robinson and going to the wrong barber. Yeah, you know, uh, I think he's going to play because, like, close contacts throughout the year have played, assuming, you know, they have not continued to test positive. I, 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 we're projecting DeMarcus Robinson in for his normal role right now, but we have seen Andy Reid do some weird things with guys missing – a full week of practice. So that just adds more volatility into, into some of these wide receiver projections for sure. I went speaking of, yeah, guys missing a week of practice. Um, somebody mentioned that to me before. And I actually went back and I was like the last two years trying to find guys that have missed practice, missed time and, and what, what their role was relative to normal. And I mean, there is something there. I think it's still, it's a small sample size though. Yeah. What and also, this, sorry, it, what is the something there Rufus? They play fewer snaps and have less production. Got it. Relative to their baseline. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that sample would be when you only have one week to prepare. I mean, to be clear, Demarcus Robinson did practice all week last week. And Demarcus Robinson is very, very, very familiar with the scheme and everything. So I don't know. I mean, I'm projecting him for normal role right now. But yeah, certainly volatility there, too. Well, you know, he, he's such an integral part of the team last. I mean, he ran a bunch of routes last week. Oh, he always runs routes. He just never gets the football. He got zero targets. Yeah. None. You think he's just doing it for exercise? <laughs> Okay, so before we get into the game, which obviously like I'm pretty excited for given the amount of knowledge that Adam just spewed there compared to what I'm normally dealing with with Rufus. Um, what what I wanted to start with is talk a little bit about like the, you know, the crossover from DFS to prop betting. Um, are, you know, are there a lot of people that you know of from the DFS world that have crossed into prop betting um, how do you guys think about props or betting on betting on props, et cetera? Yeah, I think people are like hardcore DFS people are shocked at how soft it is. And I always try to caution people like there's a reason that it's soft, right? The limits are so low that there's not a lot of liquidity in the market. So people are like, oh my gosh, this is so soft. I can be, I can hit 65, 70%, maybe we're going to be rich. And I, and I try to tell people like, it's fun, but we're not going to be rich because as soon as, you start winning on props, you're going to be limited very quickly down to, you know, $200, $100. And so, you know, it's, I think if people understand 
uh, what props are, that it's for people that are betting low limits and people who um, just want to have fun with it. Uh, I think props are awesome and a great way to uh, move over from fantasy to sports betting. I think people who assume that you're going to start printing off a ton of money from it are, are pretty sadly mistaken. I know you guys have had the conversation on here so many times about like books limiting uh, people, you know, and, and um, I get it. And like, I get it, especially on props. I mean, there's just no way that they can be on top of hundreds of players projection for the week. So they are, so for, for the average DFS or sorry, not the average, the good DFS player who looks at props, you're like these, there's just some clearly clear value here. Yeah. And, and they're almost always, not almost always, but typically related to injury situations. So like minor injuries, like let's say Jack Doyle is out and they leave Mo Ali Cox's receiving prop up, you know, like stuff like that is just so egregiously um, mispriced. Um, but, you know, the whole they're just scene, slow with information, essentially. On injuries, for sure. Yeah. And, and that's just every week in the NFL, there's injuries, you know? Yeah. Game time. And do you think, and... do you think that's that, that must be like literally, I mean, you would think that you would have, be able to have software at this point in life that like when something like that happens and you adjust one thing, like everything else adjusts accordingly. Right. Right. I mean, I, mean, I don't think it's a priority for them because you can only bet, you know, 200, 300 on, on a prop, you know, so it's a right. priority for them to institute software on it. I don't know. Why, why do you think Rufus as, as like a semi professional sports better that kind of knows something about sports betting from the industry perspective, why do you think they continue to offer props if they're soft markets and they have low limits? Me? Yes, Rufus. You're the okay. only Rufus on the Yeah, I said, I, th- I thought you said like, why does Rufus something? I okay. But why do they offer them? I mean, because, um, well, I think it's get people's foot in the door type thing. It's, um, I mean, it's like sports books used to be viewed in Las Vegas as a necessity, um, that or not a necessity it was basically a loss leader they don't expect to make money they don't really want to have a sports book but they do because it's a perk to get people in the casino and i think props are kind of a way to do that as well um i think also they generally do win money off of squares on props because squares love playing overs they love betting on things to happen and and generally the hold the theoretical hold in prop markets especially the multi-way markets is quite quite high so um, I, I do think they're making money overall, but I think if you, when you offer such a wide variety of options, there are always going to be some weaknesses and places where someone who is, you know, who is looking closely can find something that's mispriced. You agree with that, Adam? And you, you had talked a little bit about the idea of prop bets being like a good user acquisition tool for sports books. Oh my gosh. I mean, the, the menus every night on, DraftKings and FanDuel, which are obviously the two biggest DFS sites for NBA. I mean, I, I can't believe what they're offering. Hundreds, hundreds of props available on NBA. And it's just managing a set of NBA projections for a given night with all the moving parts, player usage changing based on injuries. It's just an unimaginable task. And 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 they're doing it. I mean, I can't imagine they're winning money on it, but they're very clearly doing it, I think, to move DFS players over uh, to sports betting. I think it's successful to some degree. I mean, I think lost in the conversation about limiting, like you guys on here are obviously like, you know, borderline professionals or, or people looking to bet a lot of money. And a lot of people listening to this are doing the same thing. A lot of fantasy players like, Hey, I just want to bet a hundred dollars on a prop and they're never gonna have a problem with that. So like the limiting issue is like not really an issue for them. Um, if you follow what I'm saying. So they're just happy that they're able to, to bet some props off and, and move over to the sports book that way. 
Got it. So it's like recreational betters you're saying move over that way. And um, you think it's just a natural progression for them because it's, it's harder to get them to go to like betting on the chiefs minus three, as opposed to like Travis Kelsey over seven and a half catches or whatever. Yeah. I think good DFS players aware that like betting sides and totals for most people uh, is going to be a, uh, you know, a negative uh, EV situation. And so um, by already it's like you're already all in on studying player usage and projections and stuff like that when you're playing dfs seriously and so it's just so easy to move over to props um and actually have a positive expectation which i think you know just people from our generation like yeah it's fun to just gamble and stuff but i think people don't want to play slots and roulette and blackjack as much they want to do something that's plus ev i'm guessing that um Adam, you and I are not from the same generation, so let's let's just move on from there. You might be surprised. I I, I look young. I was born eighty two. I was born in seventy three. Okay, so I bet you're on the cusp, right? <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on to the game. And so, what I how I wanted to structure this is to talk through some of these common narratives about both the game and about the Super Bowl generally, and about betting props, and kind of like talk through some of the bets. Um, that are available that may bunk or debunk these narratives. I don't think bunk is actually a word, but that's fine. It's a character on the wire. There we go. He was also on Jack Ryan, just so you know, if any of you guys have watched Jack Ryan. Okay, teams start out slowly. Teams will start out slowly in the Super Bowl. So therefore, bet the first quarter under. Um, There will be more scoring in the second half versus first half. Bet punt before score but over field goal and the over field goals in the first half i was actually just listening to like millman's podcast because i had never heard of this simon hunter guy until like everyone was blowing up on twitter and then i was like wondering to myself i'm like i was like reading the stuff he was saying and then also listening to stuff he was saying and i was like how is this guy really a professional better there's like kind of no world that that's the case right (laughs) Like it just doesn't even make any sense. Like I feel like someone like that. Well, I I won't. I don't want to disparage him because I don't want to get sued for um, libel. But like, it's the anyway. Sorry. Moving on. Let's going back to this. So teams will start out slowly. What is what? What do you guys think about that narrative, Rufus? Do you have any evidence to that? Have you explored that at all? Yeah. So in the past twenty Super Bowls, teams uh, the the. Average number of points in the first half has been 20 points and it's been 27 in the second half. Um, it's been a full seven points higher. Now, how, what percentage of those Super Bowls? How does that involved? compare to the, the, just the regular season? Uh, normally it's about 50, 50, uh, first half by just a smidge, especially, I mean, and that's driven largely by games with higher spreads, Blo- games with higher spreads. You expect a little bit more scoring in the first half relative to the second half. Um, It's a lot more extreme in college football where you see the big spreads, you know, Alabama's up 38, nothing at the half and they end up winning the game 40, you know, um, 45. We get what you're saying. Yeah. I almost said 47 to seven. And then I was like, no, that's nine points. That doesn't work. I had to do some math, but uh, I, so it has been the case, but also if you look at it, that, that sort of trend, I mean, it can almost, I don't want to say almost exclusively because I actually I need to run a query to make sure, but but a large part of it's attributed to Belichick and the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Like they didn't score a touchdown or a point. I think it was a touchdown in the in the first quarter in any of the Super Bowls that uh, they they participated in. So um, who was their quarterback in those games? Do you know? I don't know. It beats me. 
But the question: Do you think it's Belichick or Brady? That's the consummate argument we've been having all season. It's true, and back to what I said about Arians being a coach that does not show up against better teams and beats up on the on the cellar dwellers. I mean, Brady's the quarterback, and Belichick was kind of the opposite. I mean, Belichick is the coach who is best um, relative to expectation against uh, the, the better the quality of his opponent. So maybe it was Brady and Bel. You know, it, it isn't just Belichick. So uh, you're right, but but to this to, to the, the narrative obviously is that team starts slow but what is the reason behind it like people say oh there's a longer pregame oh there's more jitters are there really more jitters for the super bowl than the nfc or afc championship i mean i guess they both are win or go home games you know there's more people watching i don't know i mean what's i just i struggle to sort of see what the the sort of cause of it is. And I think over a 20 game sample, you can see plenty of anomalies that are greater than this first half, second half dichotomy that are completely random. So how do you, as a analytics person process the 20 game sample size that you analyzed? And um, why did you choose 20 by the way in that? Um, That's my my data, well, since 2000. Okay. I mean, that's so, been sort of what, a so. How do you make play, that, yeah. and and how will you price that in? And and like, Adam, we'll get to you because I know that you didn't do a lot of, you don't have a lot on this because it's not player specific. Um, but Rufus, how do you do? You, is there any value, or do you see any value in any of those bets I mentioned, like first quarter under, like on the on Chad's podcast, Simon said like there's a sharp group that's hitting the over one and a half field goals or something like that in the first half. And that's like one of the sharpest bets that he can make or whatever. Oh God. I mean, see, I think these narratives are priced in. I I think, and it's the kind of thing like, I mean, Fezzik always talks about, Oh, bet the first half under every year, bet the first half against the second half. It's like stealing just because of these trends. And, you know, I feel like it's the, like everybody's heard of this. It's not like the books haven't heard of this when they're pricing this it's, you know, it's the odds are tilted like based on that. Like if you think that truly the first half is expected to have seven fewer points than the second half, then yes, it's a great bet. But I, I don't believe that's the case. If, if there is an impact, it's going to be a lot mi- more minor. It might be first half might be minus 120 against the second half, but I'm, I'm going to be able to bet at least if it's like most years, I'll be able to bet like plus 140 first half against second half, like close to kickoff. So I mean, I'm going to essentially go with so my you, regular Do you think model. you'll end up betting that? Oh, I always, I, I basically always bet the second half. Um, it hasn't worked out mo- well for me most of the time, but. You bet the I second still, half will have more. Fewer. I mean, first half, sorry, first half, not the more, second half. First bet, half will have more points. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be getting, sorry, I, I, I mixed up my one and my two. Um, you never mix things up, no. so it's fine. We'll let you go this time. Uh, but I think that the narrative is, is being, um, is priced in way too much. I think it's more noise than signal. Maybe there is a little bit of signal. I don't know, but it goes against sort of all my intuition from, and my understanding of randomness from, you know, 12 years as a sports better. And so, as I said, I think there might be a little bit of signal. I don't know, but not enough to move the price as much as it normally does. But I'm, again, I'm going to wait. So you're, and you're I'm basically bet, bet it game day because because this narrative gets out there every year and the line yeah. moves and you can yeah. get a great price in the first half. Yeah. So basically you're against all of those, the narrative in this case, which is slow starting, like low scoring early, like you're probably going to want to bet over in the first half quarter, blah, blah, blah. 
but you bet it right it right at post or right before post. I like that. I, I, mean, I, I want like you to that sell me. So I want someone to sell me on why this narrative is real. Like why? Well, there's there's tons of like narratives, but like like narratives are just narratives. Like no one's gonna Rufus. As long as I've known you, no one is actually gonna sell you unless they have like a real data driven analytics approach. And there's just not enough data to know that, right? Right. So but are, are, there, are there comparables? Are there any in other sports that could sort of give me some evidence? I know that there doesn't have to be like enough quantitative evidence. So like uh, wrestling, right? When they're like WWF, it. when there's a big no. Okay, let's move on from there. <laughs> okay, so let's move. We'll skip the. Wait, I want to know what Adam thinks about this. Yeah, I'm on the assumption that that's priced in. Like, I know people were into the zigzag theory in the NBA and NHL playoffs, right? And like that got to a point where maybe it was plus EV uh, when people first came up with it, and then it started to be priced in, right? I mean, I, I don't think the zigzag theory is still plus EV after all this time. So I would guess it's the same thing with this, but I, I honestly don't know. Okay, so let's move on to the Casey offensive line injuries, mm -hmm. which everyone is talking about, right? Yeah. You have Eric Fisher, you have Jeff Schwartz's brother. Um, and, you know, they, the, the narrative is like, okay, go over on Tampa Bay sacks. Tampa Bay is super aggressive. Our friend Ed Teach is saying bet on Shaq Barrett and JPP to win MVP. Um, KC team under game under like this is this this is a real issue what do we think of those bets and and how Adam let's start with you how do you think about pricing something like that in and and has the narrative gone too far where there's value on the other side yeah um, I think that offensive and defensive line play and injuries is probably like one of the last remaining things in NFL that doesn't get priced into the market enough like there's more impact in the actual game uh than people give it credit for now everybody is talking about this right you mentioned right tackle Mitchell Schwartz left tackle Eric Fisher left guard Kalicia Semele and then also uh right Duvernay, guard whatever yeah Laurent Duvernay Tardif he's like saving the world he opted out so he could save the world uh and so they I mean they're down to like a cluster situation which I think is important you know if you lose one guy at one position it, it can be okay to lose so many guys um, I think it's a real problem and so does everybody else, obviously, but yeah, we're talking about second and third stringers out here against Shaq Barrett, JPP and Dominica Sue, uh, Vita Vea is back and should play more this week. I think, uh, Devin white. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's a major, major, major problem. Tampa Bay is extremely aggressive, uh, blitzing. Um, I think that uh, if you can find good prices on the sack stuff, I took over four sacks in the game at even money. I think that it's, up to minus 120 or minus 130 now. Um, but if you shop, you can still find some good stuff on the sacks. And in a game where I expect Patrick Mahomes to drop back so much, I mean, let's be honest about the way teams attack Tampa Bay. This is the number one rush defense DVOA. Everybody takes the same game plan against Tampa. We're just going to drop back a ton. And so we could see Patrick Mahomes easily drop back here 45, 50 times and have that actually be the game plan. And obviously that's going to lead a lot more sack opportunities so so yeah i think that the public is on it but i think that it's um their right to be on a lot of the sack stuff you don't think we're gonna see like more quick hitters like screens like misdirections more mccall hardman on the end around jet sweep situations yeah so i i did take a miko hardman bet which we can talk about uh later i think that's definitely in the range but but yeah i mean yeah i think that andy reed will be ready for this like having two weeks to prepare is I think a big difference in having one week. I think he'll be ready for weekend offensive line play, but still just, I mean, from a talent perspective, easily top five 
pass rush versus bottom five offensive line. Right. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to counter that. I, I'm going under on sacks, by the way. And I hope like, I'm like under four, even money. I don't know where that is, but uh, it um, was on Caesar slash Will Hill. Oh, okay. So I'm hoping I'll be still be at, well, I can't bet at Will Hill actually. Um, <laughs> but I, so yes, I, I agree that, that losing Eric Fisher is a big problem for Kansas city. And I, I think that actually that makes the Tampa side a stronger bet, but Sacks are a quarterback statistic. I don't think Mahomes necessarily gets sacked more. I think he has, he's scrambling more. He is having to get, make quicker throws. It affects their passing offense, but I don't think it necessarily means he gets sacked more. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you, if, if he's scrambling more, if you believe that his toe is okay, I mean, we can talk about some of the rushing props too, but do you, are you on like over Mahomes rushing yards then? No. I'm going to be he, under than that too. So I'm basically gonna, against all the sort of scouting stuff. Essentially. Yeah. But so you think he's, he's just going to scramble and throw the ball away or I mean, make plays. So what I think doesn't matter as much as what the data suggests to me. And I do, you're right. I don't know how to quantify Eric Fisher's injury, but I do know that sacks are 90% plus a quarterback statistic. You know, they're when a quarterback changes teams, sack rate is like one of the most fundamental things to a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, Russell Wilson, it doesn't matter where he plays or how good his offensive line is. He's going to get sacked a lot. That's his, he holds the ball a long time. It's a function of how hold you, how long you hold the ball. I, I so I, I think I have Tampa projected it getting 1.8 sacks. And I think, so I, I think I, I have the game at about three and a half sacks overall. Yeah. Uh, and so we I'm betting a- like under one and a half plus 140. Yeah, that's like that. I mean, it's under one and a half plus one fifty one on Chris right now. Well, I've been taking some worse bets apparently. So I, I kind of I, I, so hearing these narratives kind of tells me not. not I don't want to just call them narratives. I mean, this analysis, and I think knowing that this information's out there, I mean, it tells me that I'm probably going to be getting some good under on sacks uh, on game day. Yeah. Not unless not if I just keep betting. Maybe, maybe they're bad right though. Now. I don't know. Um, that's, so that's pretty fascinating. Is there any other, is there anything else that you think the offensive line play like does like cause like what, I mean, like the, the offensive line injuries, like where, where Adam, where do you see that having, you said that you think that it's not properly necessarily priced in. So where do you think that has created opportunities beyond sort of like the sack stuff? Yeah, I think I was I was referring more to the actual game lines. You know, I think it's not pricing. Everything seems to be pricing such efficiency with the game lines, except for I think line play, um, which is really hard to do, obviously for the reasons you know. So you like know. that, like literally, that would just lead you to say, the right bet is probably Tampa with the points and under and parlay that because they're not pricing in the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, this this one is so public. I it feels like it should be pricing. I'm sure that the general public though is probably not. I mean, I saw a stat like somebody had like points bet or something had taken 92 percent of the action on Chiefs minus three or something like that so far. Um, And I kind of think that as we get closer to game time, we'll see even more people bet on the Chiefs. So I don't know what one. I I mean, I think one narrative that you can make if you were looking at props was the Miko stuff that Rufus referred to. Uh, You know, you can get over 28 and a half receiving yards. For Miko and like uh, you know, there's a lot of ways Miko can get there. You can get there on Sammy being more limited than you think. You can get there on um, Miko being so explosive, his yards per catch is so ridiculous. Just having one ridiculous play, you can also think maybe more quick hitters because of the offensive line situation. So there's a lot of narratives around Miko that I think are 
are okay. We had me Cole for 35.3 yards and, and you can get 28 and a half. So it's not a bet I would make in the regular season, but I think it's at least worth. Adam, worth. is 35.3 your projection, your mean? Yeah. So we do it a little in a way that it would, I would call it more closer to, to mean. Yes. To mean an average. Yep. Yep. So I, I think one thing that I think is very important that I think the average better doesn't really consider is the difference between the mean and the median. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a big reason why unders tend to be underpriced. Yep. And, you know, you might have McCall Hartman at 35.3. I believe I have him at 34. So we're about at the same place, like two and a half. Okay, by the way, can, can we just stop for one second and talk about something? What do you guys think that Chris, which we all think is probably one of the sharpest books, right? What do you think they have Mikol Hardman at for his total receiving yards? Well, are they the sharpest for props? Don't they have like $250 limits for them? So, well, they just like they protect themselves, though. I feel like I feel like they know, okay, just guess what their, what their price is or their yardage is in their price. It's either really high or really low. And I don't know which one. Just guess for yards. Yeah. 24 and a half. Adam, what do you think it is? Yeah, I think they probably have it low also. It's like 23. 40 and a half. Oh, man. Wow. To go over is plus 177. Oh, okay. So, oh, but like, that's go. what I'm saying. They just mess that. They, they, like, this is a, like, the reason that I'm mentioning this is because Adam has clearly been in the market betting some of this stuff, right? And there's clearly some interesting value there at most books, right? Most public books. Chris is not a public book, right? And so they've done some weird manipulation where they don't really want to take the standard McCall Hardman over bet what the market is saying. And they're pricing this in a, a far different way. Right. Yeah. Can I finish my mean versus median thing? Sorry. Yeah, of course. Cause I do but think it's actually fascinating and interesting for the record. That is interesting. What I just brought up. Right. Yes, it is. Okay, good. So Thank you. the thing is, if, if you think about a good example is someone like um, Nick Kaiser, who most people probably haven't heard of who has gotten like, I mean, he's projected, I might have, I think I have him at like 0.15 or 0.2 catches um, for like three yards. That doesn't mean I'm going to bet him over three yards because, or it'd be less than three yards. Cause you know, he's either not going to, he can't have, he can't have negative yards. The, the distribution is essentially going to be right tailed. He'll either have zero or he'll have probably seven, eight, nine, 10, whatever. And so McCole Hardman, if he gets 34 yards on average, there'll be times when he's getting 80 yards. There'll be, you know, he's going to, he'll have games where he has a 60 yard pass completion that puts him over right there. There'll also be games when he has one catch for eight yards. And so because it's bounded at zero, that distribution sort of is right tailed. And so generally the more uh, a player gains things in larger chunks, the bigger the difference between the mean and the median. And, and also the fewer, uh, times he Thank gets the, an opportunity Thank to you. get those chunks, the bigger yeah. the difference. So there's uh, oftentimes like I will be betting an under on someone. I might have them projected at 21 receiving yards and I'll bet them under 18 yards because yeah. there's such a difference between the mean and the median there. Oh, and, and like thinking through the distributions is, is so important. And it, to be clear, like during the regular season, I probably bet 90% unders uh, or something like that um, for the reasons that Rufus is saying, especially on volatile players. Obviously, uh, you want to be under. Obviously, we're like scraping here a little bit for the Super Bowl to try to find some of these player props that I think are are at least bettable. You make okay. a good point with the distributions too. Like last year, you know, when I I think this around Thursday or Friday of the second week, I actually went through and basically tried to project out the probability that 
each of the major players on each team got injured. Like I think, you know, I had said Tyreek Hill has a 5% chance of getting injured to and getting knocked out of the game at some point this game. I'll assume it's uniformly distributed. It could be anywhere, you know, anywhere at any port, like any part, part of the game is equally likely. And then I had probability, I essentially had projections for every other receiver conditional on if Tyreek Hill didn't play, like a full game thing. So then I would just sample and say 5% of the time I'm randomly deciding where Tyreek Hill gets injured. And then the rest of the game, we go to the di different projections. And so doing that with, uh, with doing that with Sammy Watkins, doing that with Travis Kelsey. Uh, and I mean, there's, you can't really, there's no simple, like, and it's kind of overkill to do that, but, but their injury probabilities do matter. And they do affect the distributions. And a guy like Tyreek Hill, for example, um, you know, he's less likely to, there's less likely to be any news or injury that really helped like boost his projection. You know, he's what projected it like, you can get like under 95 and a half receiving yards. Maybe you will be able to get, maybe it'll hit um, six digits before, before Sunday, but uh, there's, there's not a lot that can help them, but there's a lot, you know, they, but well, the only thing, can happen is his projection goes down basically if he gets hurt he, or, or um, whereas or if Mahomes um, gets hurt yeah 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 whereas like a Demarcus Robinson a McCall Hardman a Byron Pringle especially if anybody above Pringle gets hurt um, his numbers go up a good amount yeah and and so it's it's not easy to necessarily price this stuff out and there's not like a model you can have I mean sometimes it's just having just an order of magnitude of an estimate of an injury or something like that. Okay. So now that this has become the McCole Hardman show. And I was just like looking at some of the bets on like a, like a like another skin that I have, it was um, minus minus one fifty to go over 24 and a half. But I saw an, another interesting one, given what we've been talking about, which is this um, whether he will have a rushing attempt or not. And what would Adam, I assume you have like some way to price that pretty well. Um, what do you make that? Yeah, let me check here. We have for Harmon. Yeah, we have uh, Miko Harmon for a 4% rushing share in this game. So 0 0.9 carries in this game. Um, yeah, I mean, I, one thing about Andy Reid, when you get him off the bat, he comes up with trick plays like often. You can see like he has been thinking and coming up with different kinds of plays. And I would think that Miko could be involved in those. So I hadn't thought that one through very much. Um, but yeah, I mean, our baseline for him is 4% with uh 4% carry share. And we do have Tyreek for a 5% carry share also. So you can go yes on that at plus 115. It, it Wow. That's gotten bet up. Cause I, at one point the no was like minus 170 or something, I believe. Right. Around the opener. I'm so trying to see what my share, carry seems, share from Hardman is. Seems like if you're just going to sit there and root for McCole Hardman to get a carry, that sounds like a fun thing to do, right? <laughs> Not really. A kind of it is. He's I, I so have fast. Is a, if he gets the carry, he's just going to run a long way, hopefully. I only have him as a 2% carry share, it looks like. I don't know why. But the thing is, with him, you're also you, sweating. Will it be an actual carry? Like He has, he has a lot of receptions that are actually carries. You know, right. the jet sweep where... Mahomes just places the ball forward mm -hmm. and to him running yeah. by. So maybe, maybe what we should say is we should talk about hedging that bet incorrectly. Just like all the other like sports betting podcasts talk about hedging. So I will bet the over, and then I'll also hedge with the over two and a half receptions. 
I mean, it seems like a winning strategy long-term, right? (laughs) If you think he's going to have a lot of participation in the game. That was a joke, people that are listening to this. I know most people don't know that they're jokes because they're not funny, but that's okay. Um, All right, next thing then. Let's move on to um, the betting a bunch of things to not happen, i.e. betting unders, betting no safety, betting no two-point conversion, betting... Betting McCole Hardman not to get a carry. (laughs) Damn it. No. I already lost then. I was so excited about my plus 115 I found. Uh, What do we think about... In my McCole Hardman rushing projection, though. Okay, we're done with McCole Hardman. It was nice. It was it was a great moment for him to be featured on our podcast. He's probably going to ask for a copy of this, but we're done with this. Like the the um, PR team for um, the Kansas City Chiefs is probably like, McCole, you were featured in a, a podcast called Bet the Process. Would you like a copy of it? <laughs> and they'll hand him a DVD of it. It'd be great. Um, okay, so what do you think about that, Rufus? The not to happen stuff. Like you, tr- you're traditionally on the not to happen stuff, and are you going to be this year? Yes. I mean, okay, always. So in the Super Bowl, so for, you know, I said the mean versus median thing, which is something that tilts, uh, we, we, that creates value in unders. The other thing that creates value in unders is the fact that people like betting on things to happen. And that also creates um, value on the nose. And, and the last thing that creates value on a lot of these things not to happen is people love the lottery mentality. Uh, that's a, so there's basically three things right. that are really people don't know driving the inefficiencies. Bad odds and really bad odds. Exactly. Right? And so, yeah. um, like, I might, you know, uh, let me find this little list of bets I was going through. Um, I have a lot of things that are, like, you know, under something, minus 600, um, when I price it at, like, you know, minus 770, which isn't actually a huge edge. But there there are a lot of things It would be helpful like if that. you told us what you were actually talking about there. Um, I'm trying to find it. Okay. Um like Tampa Bay second quarter to score over two and a half points at minus four fifty, and I price it at minus five ninety five. That is obscure, but amazing. <laughs> Wait, their second quarter over is two and a half points. Well, no, that's not their. I mean, there's like you can bet over two and a half, over three and a half, over four okay. and a half, over five and a half. So that's just one you found. That's like a crazy. Yeah. <laughs> They, wait, but uh-oh, there's not going to be points because they don't score Now I know why, half. like, you literally it's... haven't been responding to my texts this week because you're just finding these obscure props that you can make. I have, like, on. I have a list of, like... Rufus, so that one, how much, you get, how much do you I... get down on? How much would you get down on that? I haven't bet it yet. I'm, I'm going to New Jersey tomorrow, and I'm going to try to bet it before this, but I guarantee you it probably won't be there because the podcast will come out, and I'm not even going to say what book, but... There goes my, va- my, my value. Um, what was the, like, how big an edge is that? I want to pull up. I need to, I can't do that in my head. I mean, yeah. the other thing is people don't want to lay these kind of prices, right? Like nobody wants to yeah. walk into a sports book and lay minus 600. Like that's not fun, you know? So, so it's not just people want to root for stuff to happen. I feel like it's, people don't want to lay huge numbers like that. That's a 7% edge though. That's not that bad. A 7% edge when you're able, and especially if you're like oh. betting it to win, if it's, if it's to win 500, you know, you're, you're getting down, um, 500 times 4.5. Yeah. At oh, a 7% I, I would, edge. If listen, I, if you tell me it's, it's good, I, I would bet in a heartbeat. I'm just saying casual people aren't gonna, aren't gonna play oh, sure. minus 2000. Yeah. I mean, but there's the funny thing is I also find plenty of things that have value, um, that are big long shots. 
I guess it's the, well, I think that books fundamentally on occasion do not price the tail events well and do not price uncertainty. I mean, this is, this is another, this is another interesting narrative, right? Which is the whole reason why they lost so much money on the, uh, on the, the, the Rams Super Bowl, right? Because you guys walked in there and whatever the, you know, the pricing of the, the three or whatever was. I'm still pissed off about that because Zach basically beat me to a bunch of those numbers using what, like with, with my own chart. (laughs) Has Dave, David Purdom ever written an article about you, Rufus? Never. written one about Zach. Never. So so there, he's written one about Zach. He's written an article about my failures to win a championship. True. You know, you finished third. Third place yeah, is still but, good. Hey, if you ain't first, you last, according to Jonathan so, Bales. I lied, by the way. This we'll mention McCole Hardman again. I'm just looking at some MVP odds, and McCole Hardman on this skin that I'm looking at is 30 is like 33 to one to win the MVP. That is like the worst pricing I've ever seen in my life, right? Like if you could bet the other side of that, how how would you just bet it till the cows came home? No, really? That's that's laying too much of a price for me. I mean, I mean, it, it's just too much. It, sure, if I had unlimited credit, yes. It, one thing he does do is return kicks. Like he's mm. capable of of returning a kick for a touchdown, which would see things. But to be I clear, can't like, wait for him to win the MVP and me to look like such an asshole. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> I'm gonna have to hedge my reputation risk, which is not a very high thing to hedge with a McCall Hardman MVP bet, but I got to find it better than 33 to one. Here's the question. Is anybody going to bet JPP or Shaq Barrett to win the MVP just to ensure that Ed Teach doesn't win it? (laughs) I told Ed Teach the only reason we bought Tampa Bay in that Calcutta was to make sure that like, I wasn't like angry when Tampa Bay won and he was celebrating. I'm going to have like, hopefully a huge position on Tampa for the game, just so that I'll be, I'll be able to, I won't be have severe FOMO when they if they win all that money. I love that Ed Teach influences our lives this much. I, Ed, we love I mean, you. But like- I you know I probably cost him all that money because if I hadn't bet to Rod Taylor to win the MVP, that would have won. Um, he's the he's the futures whisper. Adam, anything on the not to happen stuff like the safety and fourth down conversion and anything? Do you have you looked at that at all? Yeah. So um, I. I don't price the derivatives, but I think if you know someone who can like Rufus and you line shop, like you can get some crazy value. Like, I don't know if you've looked at this Rufus, but like uh, no safety is only minus 900 at Caesars, but it's minus 2000 at MGM. And like uh, no OT is minus 500 at MGM and only minus minus 500 minus 5,000 at MGM and, and minus 2000 at DraftKings and minus 1300 at Caesars. Like there's just like things you don't normally see in NFL markets with uh, differences in lines. And so, you know, that stuff always perks up my ears, but obviously you need someone like Rufus to price it for you before you go in there firing. I will say that, that none of those really have value though. I mean, I have the overtime probability, like seven, like a little over 7%, but I think part of it is that some of these books, like the minus 2000 minus 3000, they're essentially just, taking a bunch of juice and basically making it a one-sided market. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, the no safety in Vegas, I've, there's years where I've gotten minus 650 on the no, mm. which granted there was a period where there was a safety in three of four Super Bowls. Yeah. 
Um, and I remember them all vividly. Joe Flacco running out of the end zone on the last play of Baltimore, San Francisco. Um, Tom Brady with the intentional grounding on the throw down the middle. And I think it was their first drive or second drive, which was just the oddest intentional grounding ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, cause I'd never seen an intentional grounding like that before. And then, and then the snap over Peyton Manning's head of the first play of the game against, um, against Seattle. Yeah. And Oh God, I remember that. I was like, there goes six figures right there. <laughs> going to be a great, going to be a great day. So, um, I, I, I do think, I, I agree with your point on the line shopping. I th- I do think it's some of those extreme events, like, you know, um, you have to sort of look at what the comeback is too. Yeah. Okay. Um, moving on to the quarterback rushing props, right? Like people have talked about this, our bearded friend, like price this for, wanted us to price this for him for daily wager. And he talked about the over half a yard for Brady I think the Mahomes um, prop on rushing is depressed a little bit because of what happened last Super Bowl. Everyone remembers the the kneels, blah blah blah. What oh, it's do you guys? Of his toe. What's that? I thought it it was depressed because of his toe. I mean, it could be depressed for many reasons, but I do. I have heard the narrative of oh, you got to remember the kneel downs, right? Like I listened to Cousin Sal's podcast the other day, and he was talking about the kneel downs and whatnot. So what, what do you guys think about the quarterback rushing props? I mean, go ahead, Rufus. I think we'll have value betting Mahomes under on Sunday for sure. A lot more than I do now. I mean, I saw it open at 19 and a half. I've seen a book with as high as 22 and a half. He was priced at 16 and a half for the AFC championship game. I think they're watching him on, they ran a few RPOs. Uh, that one when he ran to the sideline, it was like a nine or ten yard gain. I don't know if you remember that. It looked like it did not. He was he did not look great running. I'll put it that way. And so yeah. I don't know how uh, I, I don't know how long turf toe takes to recover. I've heard it's something that can linger. It really needs rest to actually get better, and he's not really going to be able to get a lot of that. So um, I, I obviously I think that sort of should depress the number a little bit. But the other thing you have is the fact that. A quarterback like Mahomes is going to be much more inclined to run in the Super Bowl than a regular game. Um, you, he's not going to sell out to get a first down running the ball uh, against the Raiders in week three or, or, you know, against the Jets or Jaguars or basically an average game. It's the whole thing with Andy Reid using the bad playbook against the bad teams and, and saving the good plays for the important games. Like, you know, why, you're not going to risk your star franchise quarterback um, except in the high leverage situations at high leverage games and so that's sort of something that goes the other way and that it's hard to exactly quantify how much more you'd expect him to run um in those situations actually the, the, the your job is to quantify that for mm-hmm. our listeners well you're dealing with the smaller sample size than that first half second half dichotomy so yeah i mean for what it's worth mahomes is practicing in full last week and this week i don't know how much that's worth if anything uh, last year, I was on the under Mahomes 29 and a half and got there on the ridiculous uh, kneel down situation. Most kneel down situations obviously are not going to take up that many yards are going to be one yard each. Uh, we have him for 17.6 rushing yards. Um, I, you know, obviously you can get under 20 something as Rufus said, I think is going to be, uh, I, I think that's more than fine. Oh, you have him even lower than me. I think, huh. I think I have his mean about right around 20, but so what about Brady? Yeah. I mean, yeah. What's, what's, 
well, what, what do you have, Adam? <laughs> well, I mean, this one's pretty binary, right? Like, I think he's one of the best uh, sneakers of the football uh, in maybe the history of the NFL, right? It's like every time there is a fourth and short or a third and short, he is getting it. So, I mean, I think you're essentially betting on kneel downs here because the market is like you can get over half a yard. I saw over a half at plus 170. Um, and I do think he will get a sneak off or two, but then you're betting on the kneel down stuff. And so, I don't know, man, that was just too, too hard for me to, to think about. I passed on that one. Did you take, do you looking to take anything on the Brady stuff? Um, I've, so I like, so the way I price it out, you have the kneel downs, which are separate than the quarterback designed runs, which are the quarterback sneaks, um, which are separate from scrambles. Mm-hmm which are technically sample, separate from the aborted snaps. By the way, did you know if, you, if, if there's an aborted snap and you recover and it, it goes as a rush for zero yards regardless of what happens. Someone recovers and runs upfield, it's a rush for zero yards and a fumble recovery. Um, so the aborted snaps are an interesting wrinkle in there. But I, the one thing is, like, I think that I'm – my number overall is Brady under a half at 58%. But I think I'm also too high because I'm regressing him, his quarterback designed runs to a mean that's um, reflects a quarterback that does more than just run only quarterback sneaks probably. Uh, and so probably should be a little, little bit, um, a little more towards it, that under there, but th- that would show a little value at plus 170 for sure. It's, it's interesting how did like, Brady has four rushing touchdowns this season and the percentage of times he's actually the guy running the ball um, in when Tampa gets inside the, well, at the opponent's two uh, or one yard line is, is quite significant. I actually was looking at this today earlier, trying to figure out the whole Fournette versus Jones split. And mm-hmm. I was like, God damn Brady's Brady is like quite involved down there for a 43 year old man. That's something. So, Okay. Let's move on then. The final narrative is offensive prowess of Kansas City. I've heard a lot of like Kelsey's unstoppable, go over the seven and a half receptions, like same game parlays, Kelsey and the the win, Kelsey touchdown on the win, blah, blah, blah. Fournette getting all the work. Um, this is actually like dovetails well to – what we were talking about, like going on to the show, which is like this understanding this, the workload between like key fringe kind of guys or not even fringe, but like Brait versus Gronk, all that kind of stuff. Are there areas where you guys see real opportunity caused by the uncertainty around sort of like the, the, the share, I guess. Yeah, I would think that <laughs> I think the biggest disconnect for people uh, is what is Byron Pringles. And this is crazy to talk about, but what is Byron Pringles role when Sammy Watkins is healthy? And I think people uh, assume that Sammy Watkins uh, absence has created oper- more opportunity for Michael Hartman or Demarcus Robinson, when in fact their role uh, hasn't changed at all. What the Chiefs have essentially done is slide Byron Pringle into Sammy Watkins role and leave Hardman and Robinson in their normal roles. And so in the event that Sammy Watkins plays in this game and has his normal role, uh, I think that Pringle may only play five, six, seven snaps, maybe 10 at the most in this game. And so um, 
Rufus may not like this one because of distribution stuff, but I think under one and a half, I got plus one thirty under one and a half catches for Byron Pringle. Now I think you have to Wait, lay. There was under one and a half plus one thirty somewhere. Yeah, and when and was now this? it's and this it was at Caesars also, and then uh, now Caesars it's minus, equals William Hill. I believe so. Yeah. 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 And yeah. then now uh, minus one forty uh, Byron Pringle under one and a half is, but you know I, I think if Sammy Watkins has a normal role, which I think that he will. I can't say for sure. It's been so long since um, he played and played well and played a full game, but they don't like using Byron Pringle as much. And Byron Pringle is just not that good. I think they have more trust in Demarcus Robinson. Actually, it's been complicated by the COVID thing. And Miko Hartman's role is always, I think, the same. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think people misunderstand what happens when Sammy Watkins is back to some degree. And so I think there's one edge there. I also think the Tampa Bay running back usage people get confused on also like to be very clear throughout the year, Ronald Jones has been absolute zero in the past game. Like they have had no desire to use Ronald Jones on past game uh, situations whatsoever. So when LaShawn McCoy and Keyshawn Vaughn are inactive or when they choose to learn for use Leonard Fournette on pass downs, um, you get Leonard Fournette in this role where he has all the pass down work and a share of the early down work. Now I don't buy this narrative that Jeff said that Leonard Fournette is just like all of a sudden the, absolute feature back um to me it's like gonna be real close in carries we have Fournette with 10 carries and Ronald Jones with 8.9 I think in game scripts where Tampa Bay wins and wins big or keeps it close I could see Ronald Jones and Larry Fournette having about the same amount of carries the difference is in that all passing situations Fournette's gonna be out there so I think there's some game flow projection there and and I don't know I mean I think there's bets that you can correlate if you like Tampa in the game with some Ronald Jones overs um, and Leonard Fournette unders and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that, that those are two situations that I think are at least uh, under the radar a little bit. I like, I like your opinions on both of those. And, and I find the Jones thing is interesting as Fournette has, I was looking at basically first quarter rushing. Um, I know because last week Fournette got the first drive, Jones got the second drive, Fournette got the third, but Overall, Fournette has basically gotten all of, of the first drive work um, in the last, well, basically since like, since after his healthy scratch week 14, I think it was, which was just really odd. Why was he a healthy scratch? That's, I don't, I don't get that. But, but Ronald Jones got all of, actually all the first, like he had all the first quarter, first half of the first quarter snaps, 21 um, and nobody other running back had any between week yeah. six through 14. So it's kind of, it looks, it, it, it kind of has, it, it has shifted in terms of the quote starter, which n- normally that label doesn't matter, but it has been like the first quarter usage has been the starter essentially for the most part. And, yeah. And it oh. does seem like it shifted to Fournette, but this is, it's so challenging. I feel like to try to figure out, um, to try to project these things and, I can't just use a model that says, Oh, I DK it at this rate. Cause you have situations like, especially Kansas city too, where, where um, you have guys that weren't healthy for a while and like, well, what, how, how do things change when the third string running back was pretty effective and now you have the other guy back, but he might be banged up a little bit. And does he go back to the, you know, it's. Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't even mention the Kansas city running back situation. I, I think Le'Veon Bell will be active, but I, I don't know for sure. I think Le'Veon Bell could end up being, a healthy scratch in this game. They only go with the two of Daryl and CEH, but I don't know for sure. And I mean, CEH last week started and looked like they wanted him to be the feature back. He just played so poorly. And then he just got absolutely lit up on a 
uh, pass attempt uh, on like catching a ball attempt, and then he he just never came back. But well, now he he's was, practicing in full. I mean, I like he probably wouldn't have played where in a regular season game, right? Ch. I mean, yeah, because he was he was like a game time decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I forget what what was the in, what was the injury? Yeah, he has like a hip and an ankle. That he's knee, gonna... hip. Do we, do we know why um, the Fournette? jones passing thing is it because jones doesn't is a terrible blocker or is he oh, terrible? like going back to high school ronald jones has not played in the past game and he broke his finger and he was on the COVID list and he pulled his quad i mean he just wasn't used as a pass catcher at usc or uh in the pros and and yeah i just don't think any coach has trusted him in that role so there's no doubt to me that fournette is the i mean absolutely no doubt pass catching back for this team in this game so okay, do we over think under like fournette, i have a over... question for you guys Hold on, Rufus. Let me just finish this statement. It's related to Ronald Jones, though. No, I'm talking about Fournette now. Do we think he has a like his over and receptions is value? We have him for 4.2 catches. Um, It's it's high. Uh, You know, we obviously have Brady throwing at a very high rate uh, in this game and, and having a lot of attempts. I think there was one on FanDuel that I thought was at least interesting. I wasn't sure exactly had a price it was uh, Leonard Fournette versus CEH who will have more receptions in the game. Fournette was minus 240. And so I, that was one where I was going to wait to see if LaShawn McCoy and Keyshawn Vaughn are actually inactive and if Le'Veon Bell is active before making a bet like that. But but yeah, I mean, I, I think that they will have plays in this game for Leonard Fournette in the screen game. And should they get behind, I think it'll almost certainly be all Fournette in the past game. Do you know how, okay. Do you know how, can you guess how many uh, pass blocking snaps Ronald Jones has played this season? Whole season. God. I mean, he just doesn't do it at all. Anybody Seven. want to even throw out a number? Seven. He has like one target in the last like two months. It's actually 23. It's not that low. But that, that does seem pretty low. Actually, four nets, 57. So that's actually, Yeah. I mean, Jones was at, he was pretty active in the passing game early in the season before early Fournette downs, really yeah. got a role. Yeah, but on early downs. Before they realized that was a bad idea. He broke his finger too, and and you know, and maybe that's had something to do with it. I mean, he's run. Uh, you know, yes, he's had one target the last three games he's played in, but he's run thirty routes in that time. So I'd expect more than one target for every thirty routes run. What do you 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 tease the Williams? uh ceh thing so i want to know how do you think that's gonna play out yeah this one's tough i i mean um daryl for the whole year most of the year has been like their long down and distance and and pass down back i think they want ceh to be the guy i mean he did not play well last week and maybe as rufus said the the hip and the ankle thing were were bothering him i think ceh likely starts the game again but he didn't play for the final like quarter and a half Last week, Daryl closed the game out. I think if Le'Veon Bell is active, he'll only play a few snaps, I think. Um, so I would consider Le'Veon Bell the very clear-cut third guy. But yeah, the stuff between CEH and Daryl is tough. You know, I, I think that the market thinks it's CEH. Um, really? Do they? Seems, I don't know. It seems like Williams, well, Williams opened higher. Like he opened at like 40 and he's gotten bet down to like 33 or something, yeah. or 29. But I've seen like CH like high 20s, basically, like 30 rush yards, essentially. Yeah, I would think under on CH rush yards. I mean, not even if he is the guy, you still have outs there because this Tampa Bay rush defense, especially with Vita Vea back, is like unquestionably the best in the league. And so not only are they going to have attempt problems and 
volatility and carry share, but you also have like major efficiency questions for Kansas City running backs. So do you think the Kansas City under 83 and a half rush yards is good value then? Or or do the wide receiver rushes just complicate it too much in Mahomes yeah. rushing? Because if you think CEH goes under 30 and if you think, you know, he is the essentially, I mean, I, I would assume Darrell Williams isn't higher than that. That's 60 right there. Yeah. Mahomes gets you 17, 77. Yeah. I yeah, guess, we have... Eh. We have Mecole, we have Mecole and Tyree combining for around eleven point five rushing yards. Mahomes around seventeen, and then around thirty each for Ceh and Daryl, and seven for Le'Veon Bell, which which if he was inactive would be distributed to Ceh and Daryl. But but yeah, you know, uh, sounds like you like the over and then over well, eighty three half a little bit. No no no, let's it's let's just not. split a bunch of ways. Yeah or, or yeah. yeah, but I, no, I do not like them. I, I think they I think the game plan is just so clear for Kansas City to just be so throw heavy and. Even if they want to run the football, I think it's going to be really inefficient. So do you like any of these alternate, like Mahomes over 400 passing yards, things like that? Yeah, wait, wait. So I, I think we're going to talk about the most fun bets. I, I have one that's definitely not a good price, but it's definitely fun that we can get to at the end. Ooh, All right, that. let's move on to that. Let's bet, like, let's talk about a few bets that you think still have value. Is there, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you guys would like to throw out there that still have value? There's plenty of bets that still have value, I think. Um, I mean, I think Adam has been, been, been mentioning some of them. And by the way, Adam, I thought I was high on four net with four catches. Um, you're higher than me. So that, that's, that makes me feel good. (laughs) Uh, the, the one that I, that I saw, I'm curious Rufus's opinion on is, uh, you can take completion percentage. And and I found this one only on DraftKings, and some of these are like naked bets where they're not anywhere else. They're sometimes interesting. Um, Completion percentage on Brady over 62 and a half. It opened minus 130. Now it's minus 150. And the last, I think it's, there's like some recency bias here in the last three playoff games. Brady's been really bad with completion percentage, 55, 54, 55. But in the regular season, I mean, he was, um, I believe he was over 62 and a half in 13 of 16 games. And so, um, I don't know. I, that one just struck me as like a recency bias one that is only on DraftKings and therefore could be priced like especially poorly. And so I don't know on that one for sure, but I thought it was at least interesting on the Brady over completion percentage. Only on DraftKings. So I can only bet $228 and 63 cents on it. Well, me too, buddy. Um, I have them at 61.7%. Okay. So I, I don't know what the distribution is of that though. I think that's an interesting one. I'd have to actually look and see. Rufus, do you have one that you'd like to talk about that's still a lot of value? You talked, you said there was a lot that Adam mentioned, but like, I'd love to hear you mention one. Yeah, so I, I like the one sort of marquee player I like that, or the marquee player I like that has the most value right now, I think is Chris Godwin under. Uh, I don't know whether Adam, Antonio Brown is going to play or not. Yeah, I think he, I think he will, yeah. I hope he does, yeah, because I think it, it makes, it creates a little more mayhem in terms of where things go. Um, it hurts Scotty Miller. Well, if he plays, that hurts Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson, I believe. Yeah. Right? Or am I wrong in that? So, were you saying like under five and a half minus one ten receptions, yep. under seventy nine and a half? Yep. Like I've bet unders on like seventy five and a half, and and like who who has seventy nine and a half? It's minus one thirty five. Your, your skin. Yeah, my skin. It's fine. It's not crisp. Yeah. Don't Man, all these like PPHs like have such soft prices. It's crazy. Yeah, but they're, some of those. They're, they're typically they're they're actually like like they have no good prices on like 
one like one way markets like outrights they're the worst. Oh, right i so, the, i know rufus is going to be on like closer to sunday is going to be on all the like chiefs unders yeah. guys right like if you wait till sunday i mean i already found there's a kelsey line out there at 102 and a half right now it's like so ridiculous yeah um but I don't know where you have Kelsey Price, but I have him his mean at 95 and a half, I think. We have right? uh, 92.9. But his but but I still have like under 98 is like 58% or something like that. I mean, his median, yeah. I have mean at 95, median at 92. Sure. For Tyreek Hill, I have mean at like 93, median at less than that. And sure. So, I mean, I I'm like, just saying it's, I'm just saying it's, what is it? It's Wednesday and it's already at 102. Like you could get Kelsey by Sunday. Oh, yeah. by Sunday kick at like 108 or something. I'm sure. And it's going to lose. I know it's going to lose, but I'm still going to bet it. Because <laughs> I, you know, you're talking about Kansas City going throw happy. And I very much agree with that. I have, I have Mahomes priced in terms of completions higher than the market. I think I have him at like, I have him at 28.4 or higher than, because I think 27 and a half or 28 and a half shaded under seems to be where um, the market is. And I have him for 323 passing yards. So I guess a little low there, but I, I mean, I, I have him throwing a ton, 42 pass attempts. Yeah. So over on pass attempts, but I think, I, I do think that with the, you're going to see if, if the offensive line, the struggles in the offensive line and Eric Fisher affect anything, it's probably going to be, um, it's going to mean more short passes, which probably means like screens to Kelsey or screens to Hill, and I mean, you see Kelsey is kind of like the dump off guy for, it seems like, I mean, you saw or that ridiculous throw. Nicole Hardman, just one of them, hopefully. Exactly. So uh, yeah. Okay. But, but I Let's will be, right. I'm going to most... be on Hill under probably I'm going to be on Mahomes under, I'm going to be on Kelsey under, I'm just waiting for that line to like to go right. up because everybody's, everybody's been because uh, of all the recency and, and hell, Tyreek Hill went like 13 catches for 257, 87, something like that in the first meeting. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's okay. a lot. Let's move on to the most fun bet that doesn't have value, but is close enough that it would be fun if it hit. Yeah. I found uh, <laughs> this one. Any quarterback in the game to throw for 500 or more yards at 16 to 1. Now, only 25 times in the history of the NFL has somebody thrown for 500 or more yards, but Ben Roethlisberger did it against Cleveland just like a month ago. Dak Prescott did it earlier this season. Jared Goff did it in 2019. Um, I think I mean, Rufus probably knows what the correct price is, but it's certainly not 16 to one, but it's still fun. And if the game goes absolutely nuclear uh, either way, 500 plus yards. I also thought a fun one is will any field goal or extra point hit the upright? And you have to lay minus 590 on no. But I think it's fun to just watch every field goal and extra point and root for it not to hit the upright. Like, that sounds like good fun to me. Wait, what happens if it hits off the upright and is good? Does that – is it just it hits counts, the upright? I think. By the way, this is like, like a Simon Hunter special too, now that we're talking about Simon <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I have some intel that the kicker – you know, this guy has a draw on his kicks. And so we, that left <laughs> upright's really in play. Do, so did you see the prop where it's – what does a missed kick do? Is it, is it short? Is it wide left? Is it wide right? Does it hit the upright? Does it hit the crossbar? I want to know how that gets graded. If it, if like in the case of a double doink, if it hits the upright and the crossbar. 
Honestly, I can't believe some of these props that are up. Like FanDuel in Pennsylvania has the Gatorade prop up. Like I, I thought that's only for offshores. I, I and like allowed to there. I mean, you just couldn't. It wasn't legal in Vegas because it has to be. Yeah. You have to be able to view it in the game book or the box score or whatever. That's what I'm saying. I, I can't believe that these like how yeah. I, I some of these stuff is up. Yeah. So the one I mean I like. I'm trying to find one of the esoteric ones that like okay. Um, Mahomes to have 40 or more pass completions at 40 to one. Well, actually that does have value. I don't know why I said that. Let's edit that part out, please. Um, no. You're <laughs> well, the worst. You Ronald give real value Jones, and you want to Ronald Jones, out. exactly 12 rushes, 12 to one small value, but I'm like, that seems like a fun thing to root for. Like, you know, it, <laughs> you're the world where that's a fun thing to root for where you're literally having to count is, is, and then, yeah. Yeah, but, you, but like it's the fourth quarter. He's got eight. You're like, okay, a few more. Okay, now not now not one. Um, yeah. Do you guys see any uh, value in the MVP stuff? Now this is one where this is what I should have said because I don't think I have any edge there, but I feel like I want a sweat on it, and I want to like find a defensive back at like you know 250 to one or something like that, and just hope that they get a you know a pick six. Because yeah. if a defensive he, player, like I know the, the narrative is like, oh yeah, the it'll be Tampa, someone in the front four. But I think you could see. I mean, remember when Malcolm Smith won it? Yeah, you need like and more than like one pick. Or Kevin, Kevin, uh, was what was the uh, what's the Cowboys guy? Kevin, he's like third cornerback on the on the Cowboys. He won it. Yeah, he had like a couple. When? A long ass time ago, like probably before you guys were alive. If you want to punt money off on that, I would say Honey Badger would be would be the guy. Ooh, I like that. But he's only forty to one. On yeah, that's it's yeah, so bad. Yeah. I want someone like. How about Bashad okay. Breland? Bashad Breland might be a good one. Yeah. one hundred fifty to one. Dexter Jackson. So who are the so who, the defensive players that have won the Super Bowl that I can remember? You had Dexter Jackson from Oakland, Tampa Bay. You had Malcolm Smith in um, that was Seattle the first when they beat. Denver, the forty-one to eight game, right? So Russell or forty-three to eight. Russell Wilson's Larry Brown. Points. Larry Brown is who I'm talking about. And so. then you had Von Miller for Denver mm-hmm. against Carolina, I think. Yep, Von Miller won it. Yep. But you have two defensive backs there. Only one. Like I, I feel like if you score a defensive touchdown, and I think a Buccaneer who scores a defensive touchdown, if Brady doesn't have a good game, um is clearly in the mix. Yeah. Cause I think the narrative is that like, if the bucks win the game, they're going to have to score 30 plus, but I don't think that's necessarily correct, but that's the narrative. And that's why, you know, all obviously the offensive guys are priced. So, so short. So what, I do what do you guys think about this? Problem, wait, I think one problem though, is that with these particular quarterbacks, I think we saw it last year since Damian Williams yeah. should have won the MVP right. and I had tickets on him to win the MVP. Yeah. Um, and if based on his numbers, I thought he should have, but he didn't. And I think with Mahomes and Brady, the threshold is a lot higher for a non-quarterback to win the MVP. Yeah. If it was, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo, it's very different. Yeah. There's like humans who love Mahomes and Brady voting for this, you know, and and there's definitely bias there. One James White didn't win it. Right. Brady won it over James White. Yeah. Right. So what do you guys think about this then? Like, if you think Kansas City is going to win this game, take Mahomes to win the MVP at plus 105. I thought the Brady side of that was better just because you can, it's so much more concentrated on 
Kansas City, like you could see huge Kelsey or Tyreek games, but on the Tampa Bay side, he throws to so many different guys that it's unlikely that one of Godwin or Evans, Evans. Or Gronk or or Antonio Brown like completely goes ham. Um, it's possible, but I, I think if you think Tampa is going to win, Brady MVP is better. Like there's like these sports writers love Brady so much that I can't imagine them not voting for Brady. I can see Evans having a chance. Evans is a high variance guy. He could go two catches for 12 yards or one catch for seven yards, or he could go eight catches for 190. I got one you'll like. I got one you'll like that's mispriced, but it's fun, Rufus. Uh, On FanDuel, you can get Mike Evans to have the most receiving yards in the game at plus 750. I mean, true price is probably closer to like 10 to one, but uh, I think that... No, I'm going to be honest. I have that on my list here of... of, Because I was going through all the New Jersey books and making a list of everything I, you know, I'm going to bet tomorrow, hopefully. And so unfortunately I probably, because you're saying this, I won't be able to bet it again. <laughs> I won't be able to bet it at all. I, I wrote down Evan's most receiving yards plus 700. I make yeah. it plus 570, I think, or something you like get, that. You can get 750 now. Yeah. Cause like I have Evans as a very high variance guy basically. And I think he was maybe somewhat, well, maybe not, but the oh. knee issue, the knee was at least in play a few weeks ago and he's very clearly, hundred percent now. So, so yeah, I, I like Mike Evans in this game too. I, well, I also like the other tail for him too. Yeah. The like zero dust. to 10 receiving yards. Yeah. At like 40 to one or whatever that's at. Who loves tails more than you? <laughs> I'm not a heads guy. <laughs> All right. Any, any interesting stuff? And we talked about some long shots. Um, tails minus one Oh two. You make tails <laughs> minus one Oh two. Um, what do you guys think? Like last thing on the game, it sounds like Rufus, you're like fully in the Tampa Bay bandwagon, probably waiting till game day, right before post to bet on Tampa, hoping it goes up. Is that true? You know, I'm mostly, yeah. I hope it goes up. Um, I know that books need, need Tampa action right now, but I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, the Super Bowl is just such a different animal. It's the one game, it's the one NFL game where the closing line is not necessarily going to be more efficient than the opening line. And so it's, it, and books actually are concerned about their liability because it's, it's such a huge game and it can have a huge dent in, in their whole quarter. And it's like, it's probably also the last, it's the fact that it's the last big event during the football season. They don't want to like go to their whatever bosses and be like, so they are swayed. Like if, if you're betting the Super Bowl price shop on the side, for sure, that that because you will see very different numbers, because especially a book that takes like a three million dollar bet on one side, you're pretty you can be pretty sure they want to lay off that and they, they want to bet on the other side and they're going to move the number. And so um, line shopping is is critical line shopping on all the props, too, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What about what about the total? Uh I, you know, I think I make it like 40 or 54 and a half. I don't have a strong opinion. I'm curious what you think, Rufus, about the whole like flip the switch narrative. Like, can you put that into a model? Like the narrative is that Kansas City has ability to flip the switch and and the Bucs are playing at the peak of their powers for I think the Bucs have covered like six of their last seven games and Kansas City was kind of mailing it in at the end of the regular season. But now some of that data may not matter because they've quote unquote flipped the switch. I don't know how, if you can factor that in or if you think you should. Yeah, I, I basically did. Um, Eric Eager, I think is the first guy to mention this to me that early in the season that, that Kansas city, like their scheme uniqueness 
like under Andy Reed varies or, you know, is it's much, their schemes are much more unique in their important games in the last two seasons. Mm -hmm. And I actually ran a little study on coaches and whether I basically looked at their game grade, the massive people game grade, which is controls for opponent. And basically looked at how that varies based on the opponent strength. Um, the opponent's strength as defined by the opponent's average game grade in all games, except that game. And so I basically looked to see if there are any persistent coaching effects, like looking at the last 20 years. And I found some pretty significant ones and actually Belichick was the guy who had the, the most significant effect. So his team, like his teams overperformed the most um, against better teams and underperformed against worse teams. It's not saying like he was good or bad overall. It's just how it varied relative to the you know, quality of the opponent. And Belichick's number one, uh, on that extreme and Andy Reed, number two mm-hmm. and Andy Reed disciple, Doug Peterson, number three, I think like Doug Marone, number four and Brian Billick, number five. Um, but on the other end, Bruce Arians was the most extreme in terms of essentially not rising to the level of competition, but beating up on the bad teams. So that narrative there, I mean, I mean, basically that, that is evidence. And I think the fact that Andy Reed and Doug Peterson were up there in that list and Bill, and Bill Belichick, who I think is a, like a game plan guy. Um, like, I think it says that these are guys that are, that are very cognizant of what they're putting on tape and are saving the best stuff for the, for, for the really important games. Yeah. What do you think about um, the spread and the total Adam? Ah, God, Uh, I don't know. I mean, the number seems pretty right. Uh, to me, I think Kansas City's ceiling is, you know, the way that they can play is way higher. But I would say if you're using like a player level model, I, I mean, I think Tampa from uh, their roster is just, I mean, no doubt, especially with what Kansas City's dealing with with injuries is is Tampa's roster is more talented as a whole. Um, I don't know, man, a gun to my head. I, I would probably try to find a KC minus three, but I'm, I don't think I'm going to take. I know it's un-American to say, but I don't think I'm going to have a, a play on the side in the Super Bowl. Well, you said that from the beginning that you're not a, a guy that bets sides or, yeah. or totals. You just yeah. got props. All right, last thing. Um, what kind of describe the Super Bowl you guys are going to be rooting for and the one event that you really want to happen or not happen? Biggest biggest bet I have so far is on the Pringle unders. Um, I found I like right out of the gate when as soon as Sammy Watkins was uh expected to play i found all the pringle unders i could find and so if you consider a fun super bowl party sitting there hoping byron pringle is not on the field and not catching the football then uh then then i'm your guy will you be eating pringles (laughs) or will you not pop it until the bet wins no no nothing to do with pringles until after the game after the game okay i'm gonna be rooting for mostly things to not happen per usual I would like to, you know, see, I'll be rooting for some tail events for players. I think in general, like um, a guy to have a really, really low game relative to expectation or a really, really high game in in a few particular cases Um, and definitely rooting against a safety. So can you tell us any of the players that you're going to root for to have a high game? Mike Evans, probably. I want him the most receiving yards. Although again, this podcast will probably come out before I get a chance to bet it at this book. And this book will probably only take $200 from me anyway on it, or actually it'll probably only be to win $200, $30 or something. So, um, so I'm probably not losing out too much by giving that out, but I I love, I'll tell you the, the, the thing I actually enjoy rooting for the most 
in Super Bowls is the exactas. The uh, you know exact point totals for each team. So, so where what where are you gonna where are you gonna be on those? Um, I'll have some like weird numbers that are I don't know what makes the numbers weird actually. Um, some in like I mean not really low ones actually. Again, I haven't bet these yet, so um, but I, I've seen a few twelves that have a good that have an attractive price to me. Uh, both teams to score exactly twelve. Not a parlay, by the way. Um, uh, but, I thought you were saying the bet was both teams to score exactly 12. <laughs> I think that's a pretty difficult bet to win. What would happen in the Super Bowl if after overtime? Do we even know what you, would happen if after over? You play a second overtime. And that's what they just keep doing? They keep doing a 10-minute overtime? Does the overtime – I think I think that the clock essentially – I think the timeouts, I think it, it's treated as the end of a quarter though, I believe. Is this right, Adam? So it's not like there's a change of possession and a kickoff and anything again after the end of the first ever. Crazy that we don't know this, right? I mean, I guess it's not crazy. It's, it's I not feel like it's happened before. What? That it's been tied it's after overtime in the and Super Bowl? No. I've, not in the Super Bowl. No way. No, but it's got to be different. And in, 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 what are you talking about? In, in the regular season, it just ends up tied. Yeah. But maybe in another playoff game, he's saying it went double, double overtime. Not it that Ireland's happened, I'm sure. I'm gonna find this. I don't think it has. I googled and I've found. I some don't list. think it has. Yeah. Okay. It has. Okay. Oh yeah, pretty recently. I remember this. Um, Baltimore beat the Broncos 38 to 35 on January 12, 2013, in the AFC Divisional Playoffs, 142 into the second overtime. Huh. Carolina beat the Rams. Um, in 2004, divisional playoffs, 10 seconds into the second overtime. There's one in 87, 77, 71, and 62. Actually, the one in 71 was seven minutes and 40 seconds into the second overtime, and it involved the Chiefs losing. So maybe that'll happen again. Can we bet on that? I don't know. I mean, they, they have all the weird bets. Like, I mean, you're 500 or more yards, like uh, passing yards. I, I saw stuff like, will there be will the all-time passing record super bowl passing record be broken you know in this game there's all sorts of like weird things like that like i remember last year's super bowl there was um will the patriots blow a 31 to 3 point lead literally that was a bet and it was of course a one-sided market and yes was 100 to 1 and that's just stealing all right thanks for joining us adam Thanks for having me. Give people some knowledge and some value. Uh, Rufus, thanks as always. Um, hey, and we'll you talk to, to you guys. Me, it's okay. In a week. So, good luck in the Super Bowl. Thanks. Thanks.